0: Coaching as Benevolence, a podcast for people who are curious about using coaching for self-development. I'm Erin with Roots and Wings, Grief
1: and Loss Coaching. And I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place, Positive Intelligence Coaching. In this episode, we are going to talk about change, what it is, how it shows up in coaching and in life. What comes up for me when I think of change is uh, transformation, doing things differently. One of the things that I think about a lot when considering change and when I think about what I want to change in my life, I tell myself, um, as I also um, gently remind my clients, change comes about when we do different things. So if we're doing the same thing, expecting different results, then that usually doesn't work so we have to change the way that we approach things the way we see things the permissions we give ourselves in terms of permission to dream big permission to do things that we think aren't in our wheelhouse permission to fumble to fail forward as they say permission to give up on our perfectionism and et cetera, et cetera, that allows us to forge new paths. And so when I think about change, I think difference. I think trying new things. How about you, Erin?
0: Yeah, change for me is about external forces and internal forces sometimes and how those meet up in one's life and how there's maybe disconnect between them or um, dissonance. And sometimes we're forced into change when we maybe don't think we're ready for change. And that might require a level of getting access to support resources and really being more in tune with ourselves uh, to understand and navigate when there is that disconnect. On the other hand, change Can be such a creative thing. It can be such an empowering experience, even if it's not something that one initially desired, but was a little bit more of that forced upon them scenario. When I'm desiring change, I notice all of the feelings from frustration to sadness to excitement to vulnerability. And so, even opening myself up to that level of change that I'm expecting and wanting to engage in is incredibly challenging. And so when you apply that to other types of change, it just really makes it clear, at least in my mind, how difficult change can be, even positive changes in our lives and even small shifts. And, and so this topic of change is so much because it's all about what's going on for us internally and what's happening externally and how we can make those shifts to create the change that we want to see in our lives so this is summary in my head i guess of where i'm headed with framing for change and i'm curious for you Lashawn, has there been an experience in your life where you expected change and you were ready for it but it didn't go well and on the other hand completely didn't expect change and yet it did go well
1: the first thing that comes to mind is uh, moving to Colorado, after living in Japan for some time, I expected a change. And I'm not, not to say that coming back to Colorado wasn't what I expected. It was the move itself because I expected it to be difficult and have many steps to take, but it was so much, it was so much more than I anticipated. I knew that we were going to be moving overseas, you know, back to Colorado for us, for our children moving to Colorado for the first time. And I knew that, you know, we had our whole lives for a long time in Japan and that there were going to be so many things that we had to give away, throw away, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was ready for that, but I could not have expected or anticipated what it was. There was so many layers to it. It was emotional. It was physical, Time. There were so many dimensions to moving overseas that I could not have anticipated and it did not go as well as I thought it would. We had to extend our lease twice in the process and we had friends over there helping us move our stuff. We had filled a two ton truck with stuff to donate and to recycle Um and still had more things in our house. And we have both, We had a small house. So it was just bizarre how much it took. So that was one example in my life of change I knew was coming. But did not go at all the way I expected it. Um, unexpected change that turned out good. Was, well, let me think. I would say that when I was. In Japan, I had to change jobs. It was because as the job that I was was in wasn't paying enough. So I had to change and I had to adjust to that because we had originally planned to live in Northern Japan. We moved from Western Japan to Northern Japan and we were going to settle there. That was the plan. And it just wasn't working out. And we had to make a hard decision and that was, I was working at a language school in Japan. Language schools are very different salary wise and other benefits, that kind of thing than university. And although I enjoyed working at the language school, it just wasn't making ends meet and I was the sole breadwinner. So we had to leave and it was unanticipated. Going back to West Japan and um, going back into the same job that I was in was an adjustment and it turned out far better than I could have ever imagined. I was able to then go to another university, and it was a great experience. It was one of the best jobs that I had in Japan, and I would not have had that opportunity if I hadn't moved back to West Japan after our plans to settle in Northern Japan fell through. So those are some examples that I have. How about you, Erin?
0: Yeah, I have a an example of pretty much expected change that I was incredibly nervous about and didn't think would go well and has gone really well. And that was my shift from my full-time work at the university to my stay-at-home work and then um, starting this business. And making that decision to leave the university was a very difficult thing for me because I had wrapped up a lot of my identity in my work there and in, and being an employee there. And also the, you know, we were on my benefits and everything. So that was, uh, letting go of some of those security pieces was, was a little bit tricky, but, you know, even after a week of the shift, it felt so liberating and so good. And it, it really was the change that, Not only I needed, but, you know, really our family, you know, needed to shift to creating some level of um, balance, right? More play, more, you know, that type of thing. So that went way better than I thought, because I'd always been in full-time work and always like put career above pretty much everything. (laughs) So shifting my identity there was a very difficult thing to do. And then a shift that I thought might have gone better and didn't was really straight out of college. I had just gotten married. We, I just started my job teaching high school English. We went on our honeymoon. And then the day after I was in the classroom, uh, preparing for, for the students and things like that. And I was very young and full of a lot of energy and thought that I could just have it all at once and it would all work out. And this is exactly what I want to do. And I realized um, fairly fairly quickly that, it, that that was not the case, but it wasn't until many years after that, that I really realized the significance of that on my life, both the challenging impacts it had, as well as the positive impacts but it was, it was a shift straight out of college that I made and I intentionally made. And I was informed by where I was at on my life path at that point, not having had more experience to really know who I was and what I really wanted. And so it is interesting thinking about this right now aloud and and looking back on that experience and how I thought that change would be the start of something that would last forever, you know, or or that type of a career path that would last forever and how wrong (laughs) I was in terms of, um, what, what was working for me. So yeah, I, I have, I guess those are two examples really wrapped up in career. Um, but I'm sure I have other examples outside of that too. So, uh, yeah, when you've gone through changes in your life, have there been guides, have there been people by your side to help you?
1: Yes, there have been. I have this, uh, I guess I would say family friend, or she was my tutor when I was nine years old. And she tutored me for about a year and then moved. But she always kept in touch with me, sending me birthday cards, going to my graduations, that kind of thing. She was always there as a A non-judgmental, kind, compassionate person who would listen to the things that I was going through and she would guide me through the change. My mother also was a guide as well. One of the things that she would always tell me, and she's still here, that she's still telling me these things, is that life's about choices. She would say that you have a choice in every situation. That gave me the guidance that I needed to navigate change by saying, okay, I have a choice here. I'm, I have power here. So my mother telling me that there's choices that we need to make in every situation empowered me and guided me as well. Of course, coaches <laughs> have been guides for me uh, since I was, you know, since I started coach coaching training and also peer coaches, professional coaches. I find that having that space to co-create with the coach ways to navigate change to Um, execute a uh, intentional change was really very helpful for me. Friends also were guides for me. People who have been in that situation, going back to when I moved back to West Japan, I had friends who were able to guide me uh, in the process of finding work in other universities once I had finished my three-year contract in the university that I was working in. I had a friend who sat down with me and had um, we went for Indian food and he told me all about how I could apply to be in um, another teaching position at his university and so yeah I've I've had guides and um, people who support me and change. How about you Erin?
0: Yeah, I think this concept of the guide uh, and change is significant. And for me, it's significant because of its absence and not probably its intentional absence, just that I wasn't paying attention. Uh, It really wasn't until my daughter passed that I started to open up, like you said, being open to that, to guides entering into my life and helping me meaning of my experiences. And so that was in the form of really community members here in town, therapists, and just a lot of individual people just right here in the community. And um, that was really inspiring to get that support and just finally be open to something like that. When in the past, I, I was always like, oh, I can just figure this out. And they were even like, I don't know, this might be a little... Woo woo, but there were like signs in my life that I were ne- was never paying attention to. So when I was going to interview for uh, my first teaching job, I was driving back on the interstate and this big wood plank fell off a truck and like hit my car. And I didn't even like put two and two together or anything. I mean, I was fine. Um, but it was almost like, oh, looking back, was that <laughs> I was like, wake <laughs> up, <Aaron. laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> was I that blind? That I needed something like that and still was that blind. Do I bring that up? Yes, it's a very extreme example. And who knows what meaning is behind it? Because I've learned from my own failures and my own mistakes not to be open to the mystery of it all, not to be open to the guides. I mean, I think they're. They are here for all of us, um, how, guides or people who have amassed some wisdom that they can help us with. Um, and so, I think through my own failures, I've learned more to experience them wholeheartedly. <laughs> so that would like really
1: sticks out in my mind. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's interesting about that the- you should mention the thing about the signs. And oh, I'm really curious to know what was it like for you to navigate change when you were just doing it on your own?
0: So I will say that I do have a sister who's two years older than me. And I guess she's kind of like a a guide there readily available, if that makes sense. And she did have some level of influence over my shift from teaching to graduate school. And so I guess her presence was there, but I think the biggest thing for me was I was so scared of vulnerability then that I wasn't able to access like not only guides, but my inner power and my, my own inner truth and wisdom. And so it's almost like, in addition to a a personal guide, accessing vulnerability is a very powerful guide as well. And when you can book in that with People who are there to support you, and you know what's best for you, and have experienced possibly what you're experiencing, or have uh, an understanding of what you're navigating. I think that can be incredibly powerful. And so, to answer your question, I didn't really seek that out uh, then. But then after the death of my daughter, it was immediate. It was like a shift in me. Like I need help with this. I need help here. I'm really lost, I'm really struggling. And then I was more open to seeking, you know, human support as a guide.
1: That's so powerful what you said about vulnerability because I think it's common for people to see vulnerability as a weakness as opposed to being empowering. So that was really interesting when you mentioned about vulnerability to be open to your own inner wisdom. That really resonated with me. What more can you say about that?
0: I think I knew deep within what had to change uh, in the particular situation of moving from teaching to graduate school. But it was almost like I was masking that in a way. Like I didn't want people to really know my reasoning. I didn't want people to really understand me and my wants and needs and I think it was partially because it felt a little bit selfish and it felt hard in some ways to leave behind what was going well so I think that's all wrapped up particularly in that uh, first big change experience that I'm talking about here and so it was just like when when I lifted the mask and really had to sit with who I was And I really didn't have to do that until my daughter passed. I just wasn't able to access that vulnerability that was needed to have that genuine shift and fully take part in that change in a way that was authentic to me. And it really helped me thrive. So there is a level, yeah, of the shift in vulnerability, which leads to, I think, that genuine piece and, and the authenticity piece as well.
1: What comes up for me when you're talking is that what you said in one of our um, earliest episodes was being broken open by grief. And that's what comes to mind when you said that you were able to really access that vulnerability after the loss of your daughter and access your guides as well. That's really powerful for me um, when you were talking about that. And it also brings me back to what you said at the beginning when you so clearly Stated the difference. The differences of external forces that cause change and internal forces that can bring about change. And I, I would, I guess, then would one of the external forces would be grief and loss. How one would and one of my questions that came up when you mentioned the the external forces was. What are some ways that people can, something we can explore because, you know, we're both coaches, but we, we come from different approaches or different angles uh, of coaching. So this is like a question that I'm asking you that I then would, of course, um, answer as well as a positive intelligence coach. But what are some ways to navigate change when it comes from the outside, when it's unwelcome or unexpected. And from a positive intelligence perspective, we have what is called the sage perspective, where any situation can be converted into a gift or opportunity. And by that, we mean, we can step back and see what the situation can bring in terms of what we can gain, learn also what we can appreciate. Those are some ways that positive intelligence approaches change that's unexpected and unwelcome. How about for you, Erin, as a grief and loss coach?
0: Yeah, I think it can vary somewhat vastly between the individual. So just generally speaking, when one encounters unexpected change, it may take a while to reorient to the world. I think we've talked in the past about how our mind is creating a new map according to neuroscience. And so how are we supporting that part of our, ourselves to orient to our, our new world? So, you know, obviously the health things are so important, like sleep and going on walks and getting enough liquids, those types of things things and and connection as well, community connection. Um, And then the other piece when we're reorienting is I think working with a therapist or a coach or someone to help you understand what's really going on for you at those deeper levels so that you can make sense of that change. It's so shocking that you're able then to tend to those things that come up for you. So, you know, Unexpected change, it you know shakes you to the core. You have something that you're starting to grapple with. Um, So you you can talk about that with with a therapist or somebody. And then with coaching, you then can take that to create you know steps that are going to work for you and and are going to work for where you're at in the change process and where you're at with your own needs, both with your you know, families and work and friends, but also with your internal needs, going back to that kind of balance of the internal and the external. So I think it's just being gentle with ourselves as our minds orient to the new world, taking the time to let that all unfold and seeking those resources as well.
1: I just the whole the whole time you were talking, I was so excited because there's so much there, the, the reorienting oneself to a change. And this is true of a wanted change or an intentional change, as well. One thing that really sticks out for me is the reorienting oneself to change, because one thing that I take for granted is just how significant a change can be to my identity and how I see the world, how I approach the world. Just as an example, if a person is used to being heavy let's say and they decide okay i'm going to lose weight and i'm going to be healthy if a person is used to eating a certain way or not exercising not being active uh, if the if this person is used to sedentary lifestyle and in order to be healthy and fit and to be you know that ideal weight they would have to shift into a lifestyle that supports that vision that's a huge shift i mean that really is having to reorient oneself who you um, hang out with how you spend your time what you put into your body what you consider delicious for example You really have to shift so many things in order to be that ideal or what you're what you're looking for. And I think it's easy to take for granted that it's so much more and so complex um, when you're looking for a goal and when you get there because you're so used to being heavy or you're so used to being sedentary or you're so used to being a certain way you gradually change and you get there and you're, you you got to settle into this new body or settle into this new lifestyle and i think even though it's something you may want and you desire that you worked for that you you really strive it's easy to slip back into what's comfortable and i think that's one of the reasons why there's yo-yo dieting and you know, going back and forth with weight. So I think that that's a really interesting aspect of change that doesn't feel to me that is explored as much. So when you did mention the reorienting, I think that's a really important piece to keep in mind when you're on the journey of change or you're navigating change.
0: I really appreciate that example because it really nuances a lot of the different factors that you know, all combine within change and in the change that one is intentionally making and in, in one's life. And also you mentioned like when they get there, you know, then what kind of framing? And I think that's also another, it's almost like another cycle of change because you have to then reorient to now who are you? You know, now what does it look like to be out in the world? And I think if that piece is, up, is it not? intentionally discovered that can be really challenging so it's almost like i mean we're always in a state of change we're constantly in a state of change but when we think about that intentional change of the weight loss example it is going to be a cycle to the next piece right how are they in the world now which may cycle to the next piece maybe different fitness goals so it's, it's always movement change is always movement and I guess that's the promise of our human condition, (laughs) I guess, I don't know, Um, (laughs) that we're constantly in movement, and so it's like, where do we get to have our agency in that, even for unexpected shifts, or unexpected change, or change that seems awful, you know, where is that agency, and that's another one that's developed over time, and is also complex, right, to really Answer those tough questions about who am I? What am I confident in in my abilities? How do I want to use those in the world? Those big questions. Um, So, yeah, so it's a it's changes everywhere and uh, just a really delicate and and also beautiful thing to navigate. Um, When you, LaShawn, are with family, you know, do you notice others trying to make changes in their lives that are intentional and that work for
1: them? Yeah. um, For example, uh, I have um, a cousin who is shifting from nine to five to her own business and it's intentional and she's making different choices about how she spends her time and what choices that she's making in terms of she's got kids. And so, you know, what she's able to do and um, how she's going to navigate her new life. I've seen that and we talk about that a lot. And her excitement at um, changing the way that she's bringing in money and her anticipation for her business. Uh, And then I also have, you know, my my cousin who is navigating the change of you know having a chronic illness and then having a, uh, both she and her adult daughter are navigating this change together they're they're navigating a the change in their relationship where the adult daughter is now caregiver and it's just really interesting to see how they talk about what they're going through and they support each other when they when they talk about plans and and what works, what doesn't work, and how they can navigate this change in their relationship, this change in schedules, what's expected of each other. Like you said, there's changes everywhere there's big changes like what I was talking about with changing career and changing navigating shift in your body, uh, what you're, what you can expect from your body, and also Recovery from a surgery, recovery from being sick for a long time. I've seen that. There's a lot of that that I have observed in my own family. And one of the things that I marvel at is their ability to express it and talk about it and emote. Like, you know, they're able to say, I feel this way, or, this is frustrating or this is draining. And going back to guides and help their ability to find support. And then also the opposite where my one cousin is very much like you were before your transformation. She can do everything on her own. And I often have conversations with her where I'm like, you're not alone, there, there is support out there. You don't have to do it all by yourself. And that's one of the things that I have witnessed. And I've also witnessed um, my other cousin her whole philosophy is it takes a village. So she has a whole community rallying around her and her daughter, helping, supporting around the clock. Like I'll go visit her and she's got, you know, her, her medical team there and then she's got her daughter and then she's got her friends and then I go to visit and it's just, like grand central station (laughs) but it's great you know it's a great example of community the power of community and how community can work together to enrich your life and to support you so i've seen examples of both in my in my family how about you Erin?
0: yeah i really like how you shared the diverse examples and You know, I don't know if I have any really strong example that would add much more nuance to everything you've said. I think what you highlighted was really uh, wonderful and thorough. I yeah, I mean, I think in my friend circle, just even an example of continued learning and how uh, we're all in the shared text where we share something we learned for the week kind of thing. I think that's just some kind of basic tool that also helps us navigate change uh, because it's helping us process what we're learning and how we're shifting as a result of what we're learning. So I think that's the one example that really comes to mind right now. And I'm wondering if we haven't yet explored other aspects of change. I know we talked a little bit about the guide and like community uh, support as well, and then reorienting to our new world and using strategies and using help and resources. Is there anything else that might be helpful for people to hear when navigating change?
1: One thing that comes to mind is, and we've we've touched on this before, maybe in conversations outside of the podcast, I can't remember, but stuckness. Because I think that when a person is faced with change, it's easy to get stuck In that change, in a pattern that's not serving you or limiting beliefs where a person wants change but doesn't know how to make that happen or a person experiences unwanted change or unexpected change and is stuck in a maybe a cycle of depression or where they don't want to move or they're like really defiant and they don't don't want to acknowledge that something has changed. I think that this can be seen when a friend or, or, or a relative or even a child uh, decides that they've changed something either about your relationship or the way that they want to be identified. One very small example is, and it's probably kind of trivial, but it, it's, it is an example. Um, my brother-in-law went to California and he changed his nickname. <laughs> and this is like <laughs> decades ago. He changed his nickname to a nickname that suited him. But his family called him and were used to calling him another nickname. And so it's really interesting. It's like pre-California, post-California. So those (laughs) who knew him in California call him this other nickname and his family calls him, you know, the previous nickname. So there is a little bit of like stuckness or a little bit of resistance especially of his parents and siblings, because they saw him as that nickname that they gave him when he was a baby. So they don't recognize and they don't use his chosen nickname. So that's just an example of how stuckness can be part of change. It might be worth talking about how one could navigate that or, or approach that or understand yeah. that aspect.
0: Yes, I think that is so important to bring up is the stuckness piece. And I like your example of your cousin um, the nickname, nicknames are significant. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think one piece with the stuckness is you mentioned a little bit of that resistance and like really not letting go. But instead of framing in terms of like letting go and holding on, I like to frame in terms of moving out of binary thinking to a spectrum of thinking. So it's not all bad. It's not all good. Whether it's going to be a positive shift or one that's negative. Let's look at the spectrum of things going on so that it doesn't feel so, you know, heavy. If it feels like this really bad change in one's life, that gets a little bit more uh, nuanced with grief and loss. And so I don't want to overstate that this, spectrum piece in how I explained it is going to be, it's going to always be a good fit for grief and loss. But just generally speaking, when we think of change, if we can hold that loosely with that spectrum and, and find, you know, all the angles that we can explore, um, I think that can be a helpful way to get unstuck sometimes.
1: I love that you said binary versus spectrum, because I'm always like, what's the what's the opposite of binary? I love that you said the spectrum. I love how you're so clear in how you describe processes and the way of looking at things. It's just so appreciate that. So thank you so much for having that clarity in language. It's beautiful. Thank you. Aaron, I think we're very close to the end of our time. Do you have a coaching nugget that you'd like to share? There's so much
0: that's running through my mind when I think of change. Like if it has, um, even if it has worked for you in the past, it may not work in this situation. And it may be a good idea to try what's worked in the past too. So I think given that framing, embrace the paradox of change. Embrace the learning of who you are and the joy of discovering that. What about I you, LaShawn? Love that.
1: I love that. And I would add, give yourself grace know that change has so many layers to it. And it's not so simple, (laughs) as you might think. There's a lot of, you know, reorienting, unexpected, sometimes delightful surprises, other times like, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. Um, So yeah, give yourself grace and um, be gentle, be gentle with yourself. Thanks for joining us for Coaching as Benevolence. I'm LaShawn with Michelle Sage Place, Positive Intelligence Coaching. And I'm Erin with Roots and Wings, Grief and Loss Coaching. Have a benevolent day.